welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Blazing the Path, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At the Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Uh, we got not the most fun two games to recap here. We got the Cavs and the or the, the Cavs, the Nuggets, and the Blazers in these past couple games. Cavs lost to the Nuggets, 133-95, to lost to the Blazers, 129-110. Cavaliers are now 10-17. and They sit 13th in the East. Here to help me out with it tonight, Zach Weiss. How you doing, Zach? Justin, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. You know, things could be better with the Cavs, but, you know, tonight, as we'll get into, could be a good night to turn it around, uh, the Clippers, without a couple of guys. I want to talk about these 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 past few games first, though. Uh, a couple of tough ones, and we I feel like we you know we always knew this was coming. Um, at least we we should have if we didn't. February was always going to be a rough month, and we're we're seeing that uh, this Western road trip. That Western road trips are always a pain too. Uh, but the Cavaliers look just out of sync, out of rhythm, um, out of energy, and we saw that. I mean, you know, blown out by the Nuggets. They, you know, they at least put up an effort, I thought, in the Blazers game, but it still just looked, you know, completely discombobulated and certain guys just not engaged. Just what are your sort of your takeaways from these past couple games, just in general, before we dive into more specifics? Yeah, so first and foremost, you know, Zeke Nanaji should not be scoring 14 points. Uh, I like him a lot uh, out of Ohio State, and I think he has a good NBA future. But when he comes in not getting a lot of playing time and hits four straight threes on you in the fourth quarter, in all honesty, that's not a good look for you. You know, Isaiah Hartenstein had three blocks and like seven minutes off the bench. They let Bull Bull get a basket. I, I watched in this Nuggets game, it was never close. Uh, the two bigs I knew would be a disaster. Drummond ended up with 16 minutes on the court, minus 28. Jared Allen, minus 25. You know, no one had it going. 8 of 37 from three. Uh, 
Colin had four points. I'm not sure what, what was going on, but it, even though he had eight assists, I felt like Colin on this losing streak, remember Justin, he's like, you know, we're on the map. He said that in Players' Tribune and a great piece that he wrote. But I feel like he's kind of reverted to old tendencies of, well, he's still going to finish a lot in the paint. and He's one of the best paint scorers in the league out of anybody. But he's going at these guys that are just destroying him in the paint. I think he's losing some confidence and going back to that tendency of, let me just run full speed and see what I can do against these bigger guys. And yeah, Portland, there were some good moments. There was the buzzer beater from Willard to end the first quarter. It was his first double-double at 12-10. and 10. I thought Jared Allen was amazing off the bench. You know, it was whenever Drummond was out of the game that good things seemed to happen. You know, his only good moment, sadly, was that steal about 30 seconds in. I like that Colin started to get aggressive again. Garland was making shots, but I, I, now we're starting to see, and we'll get into specifics. Isaac Okoro is starting to get slandered. I, I think it was there was a writer who, in his bio, actually has the word Clevelander. He's a local. I didn't realize this. Shout out to our friend Braden. Ball I didn't realize that either. Who was yeah. who was the guy who wrote the article? I don't want to name. Should I name drop? I'm trying to not. If you name see, drop him, name drop right, him. Chad, he probably won't listen Chad to this. Porto. Uh, shame on you, Chad Porto. Yeah, shame on him. Look, Okoro's not going to score a lot. He should be scoring. He should be taking more than one shot. I agree. But we didn't draft Isaac Okoro to be a guy that's going to score. He's going to do good things. I have no doubt about that. He's going to be a heck of a player. He's going to be an all-defense guy. And I think he'll be scoring in the teens in his prime, right? But give it time. We all want to see progress, but, you know, you're not going to see it one game to the next. You're going to see it over the course of the season. And I guarantee you at some point, Justin, when Kevin Love is back and when Larry's also back, I think we're going to start seeing plays set up for a Coral just to get him more comfortable. And then he'll be better. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and you mentioned that the, the Players' Tribune piece from Colin Sexton. I, I believe you also went on Zach Lowe's podcast, The Low Post, yes. uh, just that. to kind of talk about, you know, the Cavs being back and how he's, you know, just just about the Cavs being back. And, you know, since that came out, they have not won a game, I believe. That's correct. Uh, it was six. right before the losing streak. <laughs> and again, just with February coming, you could kind of see that coming, but could not be worse timing for all of that to come out. And you know what? Like, like the, the, the article was great. The podcast was great. Like, it was good content. And it was good to hear him say that. But... Yeah, struggles have followed. Uh, you mentioned Colin in that in that first game against the Nuggets, and this was a game in which really everyone, but maybe you know two or three guys, I could probably you know confidently point to two, really, 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 really struggled. Um, Colin being one of those guys, he went one for nine from the field. Uh, like you said, did have eight assists, and <laughs> on a night where nothing really went well, man, you know, sh- no shots were falling. Managed to pass the guys, you know, eight times who ended up making shots on a night where they just weren't making any. So that was nice to see. I mean, it was maybe a little bit of luck there. But, you know, yeah, overall, why don't we talk about one of the guys who has been, you know, a, a major positive throughout this rough stretch, being Jared Allen. Uh, he interestingly got a couple of starts in these past couple of games, one next to Drummond. Well, I guess in, in, in the last couple of games, you know, only one start, but you know he started next to Drummond, uh, which was an interesting move, an interesting play. Uh, I think we all kind of thought that that was going to be Torian Prince. We can talk about why, you know, why or why not we would want to see Torian Prince starting next to Andre or Jared Allen. But looking at Jared Allen in particular, uh, eighteen and ten in the first game. Where, where am I at here? I'm, I'm missing. Okay, 
22 and and 6 in the second game. Uh, shot efficiently both nights. I thought, you know, him along with everyone else kind of just looked... I think that was just one of the bigger things through these two games is the guys just look tired. Uh, these Western road trips are never easy for anybody. And the energy was just low. I mean, obviously he shot efficiently, but along with him, along with everyone else, he, he missed a couple of easy shots as well. But overall, I think we're seeing a lot of good things. And, you know, despite... You know, being as tired as he is, he still continued to really put up big numbers and do so in a positive way. What have you thought of Jared Allen, and what is what has stood out to you about to him from your from your perspective? Yeah, so one thing about Jared Allen, uh, Justin, it's let's go back to that Minnesota game two weeks ago. Uh, it was the second game, the one that they won. Uh, Allen made his first start as a captain. His only start at the center position, and. Then I did some um, research and posted about who's had 20, 10, 5 block games for the Cavs. I think only four guys have had multiple. And, you know, when I saw that from him, I saw that no other player had, had at least at least 23 points, at least 18 rebounds, plus the 5 blocks in a game in Cavs history. So that's very telling of the kind of guy that they have in Allen. You know, overall, he, he's been very good against Milwaukee. I don't really know what happened in either one of those games. He's not always going to put up big numbers, but when he does, it's great to see. I think he's a much better rim protector than Allen. And one thing I like in what I don't like about the Cavs, this, this all ties to Drummond who does not have in five of his last six games. He's not playing tonight for quote unquote rest. We'll see what that means uh, later in the week. Five of his last six games, zero blocked shots. And so you look at Allen who's had at least one block, Every game since the two against Brooklyn. And he had four in the first one against Brooklyn. So, look, block shots aren't everything on the defensive side. But when you have a big center, you want to see blocks. The fact that Allen is getting at least one every game means he's always contesting shots, not taking any nights off. I think his mentality is eventually going to rub off on the other guys. I think that Allen wants to make his mark every time he's in to show that he deserves a little more playing time than Allen and, and Drummond. Look, Jared Allen's a soft-spoken guy, as we've seen, but we know, I know, and you know, he wants more playing time. He wants those 30 minutes a game like he had with the Nets. So I think he's going to keep working hard. I think we're going to see that tonight. He's going to have a, may have a bit of a hard time with Ibaka because the Cavs do not know how to defend the three with their centers. So hopefully they make adjustments, but I, I love what I see from him, Justin. That is our center of the future, and I am very excited for that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you mentioned, you know, talking about Drummond and just wanting to see someone that big get blocks. It's not always even blocks for me. I, I think, you know, th- there is a case to be made for, you know, having a center who can just contest shots even if he's not going for the big play. Andre really isn't even doing that right now. I mean, this is not a guy who's ever, you know, really into making the quiet but correct play in Andre. He's always going to go for the big play and, you know, the highlight. And, you know, even with that, you know, he's just – he he is not – getting anything going right now um it's it's really been pretty ugly to watch um but overall looking at the starting lineups that have been going on lately obviously you know this isn't a problem that we're going to be dealing with here tonight playing the clippers because andre is out like you said with rest um and you know we've seen obviously every every single person on Cavs twitter right now wants to trade andre drummond um it was it's been pretty funny to watch like the, the official cavaliers account tweet out like Andre Drummond for all-star game, you know, stuff <laughs> like it's, it's really, it's very entertaining watching that because everybody just goes, you know, up in flames about it. But 
it's it's been interesting, you know, the, the starting lineups that JB has kind of just been tinkering with, and I, I completely understand, you know, experimenting with it. I understand wanting to see what combinations work, and you know, just just trying different things out, wanting to get you know Jared Allen more in the starting lineup. But how do you feel about you know trying Jared Allen instead of Tarian Prince while Larry and Kevin are out? Um, obviously, you know, Tarian Prince is kind of the guy that you point to that say, yeah, that makes sense. Um, a bigger wing who can shoot. Uh, defend that position, you know, at a, at a solid rate. You don't really think about going with Jared Allen at the starting center spot. And I don't think that they're going to moving forward. Again, that happened versus Denver and the game before. They went back to Tarian Prince against Portland. But uh, were you a fan of that experiment at all? Did you see anything positive about it? Um, overall, like, in the first game that it happened, it seemed like, you know, okay, this is kind of clunky. Maybe it'll... Yeah, there's maybe something here. But against Denver, it was, you know, pretty evident from the start that this is this is not the answer. <laughs> I'll answer your question with a question. All right, Justin. You okay. and I are out, we're right. gonna we're gonna say this is non-COVID times. You and I are out to dinner, right? At a big buffet place, uh, whatever your favorite buffet place is. We're there, right? And yes. you get four plates of food. You eat it very fast. How do you feel when you're right. done? How do you feel when you're done eating? When you probably eat not. Probably not great. Probably not after four plates. Probably a little bit, a little bit, you know, slow. A little bit slow. sluggish. Yeah, sluggish. Sick to your stomach. I'm, I'm honestly sick to my stomach to answer your question watching Alan and Truman start because and I, I'm glad. I like the analogy. That was, that was, that was a creative one. I have not, I've not, did you just come up with that or have you Yes, been but I was thinking about it as you were talking and then it, just, it, it developed enough that I can throw it out there while we're live. So I'm, gl- I'm glad you appreciate it. it. And it's because they're Look, Drummond can be very good. I, I do think his days of being very good in the Cavs uniform are over and they're as quickly as they started. Jared Allen is just getting going with showing us what he can do, the tricks up his sleeves, ability to protect the rim. They can't coexist. I mean, while they're both going to set some good screens, although Drummond screens are always an anomaly to me. They're like half screens and they do the job, but I feel like nothing's happening. I feel like him just Yeah, Drummond not- is capable of setting good screens, but they are – not usually very good. Yeah. And engaged Andre Drummond, who's willing to, you know, play his part in the offense. Obviously, I mean, the guy's huge. He can set great screens if he wants to, but a lot of them are just kind of standing there, you know, not trying to get contact. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that you should initiate contact because obviously that's illegal, but you can do it a little bit without yeah. getting called. Yeah. I mean, you know, he just kind of stands there and doesn't even like, doesn't even, you know, kind of set up. He literally just kind of moves his body there and exactly. it's, it's, it's hardly a screen. They can't start together. You know what I'd love to see from the Cavs is I don't think they're going to do this. And I know his role is only going to exist while guys are out, but I'd love to see a Lamar Stevens in the starting lineup. I know it might make things a little tough with him and Okoro together, but I also think at the same time, it's going to encourage Garland and Sexton to be more aggressive, which I feel like Garland's aggressive in spurts, never for a whole game, A and B. I think the same is true of Colin. I don't think he's aggressive for an entire game. I think he's aggressive in spurts. I think he scores whenever the Cavs need him to. I don't think he takes over games enough because I can't tell you how many times, Justin, we see uh, two minutes to go in the second quarter. I get, usually get my halftime stats tweet ready to go. When I see Colin with 17, I'm thinking this is the night he's going to get 30. He finishes with 23 to 25 because he wasn't doing it at the right times. He was getting hot early but he wasn't riding it out, and then he never found his rhythm again. I think that for both guys, they need to find that rhythm. And with Lamar Stevens and Okoro, a little bit undersized, though both guys can defend the perimeter. Depends who you're going against. Like tonight, 
With Batum at the four, I'd love to see Lamar Stevens on a guy like that. I mean, Batum isn't lights out at anything, but he's good at everything. He can shoot, he can pass, he can drive. He's a good rebounder for his height. And if not him, I'd really want to see Dylan Windler starting because I think finally he's starting to actually get touches. I felt like for so long, and I'm sure you can back me up, I'll go to you in a sec, Justin. Windler just wasn't getting the ball. I felt like he was open all the time, clapping his hands forward. The defender wasn't closing out when he clapped his hand, and he just was not getting it. So to see him put up this double-double, to see him start to score in double figures, and even just to shoot 10 times I think is great for him. I'd love to see one of those rookies in, and I, I like Torian off the bench. I think bringing him off the bench also de-incentivizes needing Jetty Osman to make an impact. I know he's been struggling a lot, and I hope he gets out of it tonight. But JB really cut into his minutes in the game against Portland, which we had not seen. Because as they struggled, Jetty was never losing his minutes. So to see that, to see him lose some in favor of Windler, to me, is a huge sign that perhaps he's finally come around on Windler and trusts him enough to do that. So him... Uh, Windler or Lamar would be better. I like Torian off the bench as a sixth man because he can play better for long stretches, whereas Osmond's good for a short stretch. And I think we'd see better results from the team. Yeah, looking at just Jetty in particular real quick. Uh, yeah, he, he did have his minutes cut against Portland. Uh, only played seven and a half, really didn't do anything in that time. Um, yeah, he has looked – Jetty has looked – I don't even know. He just – I'm not sure exactly what happened. Like, I guess I can't say I don't know exactly what happened. I, I, I was going to say that he looks lost on the floor. That's always kind of the case on the defensive end. But it seems like on offense, he just – it's just not there for him right now. I, um, the, the headband has not helped him, I think we can agree on. <laughs> Sadly. Um, it's, an, it's an interesting look, you know, but it's, it's, it's just not working for you on the court, man. But, um, yeah, he – I mean, the, the defense is always a problem, and we always know this. And I – you know – I've been one who's been calling for a little bit of a bigger role for Windler, um, despite the shooting struggles. I just think that, you know, getting him more involved has, you know, been beneficial for him and for the team in general. But I'm not sure exactly what we're going to get from Jetty here the rest of the season. Um, you know, someone who, again, we talked about at the beginning of the season as, you know, hey, maybe this is a guy who improved. And then it seemed like for a, a long stretch there, it was a good night and a bad night and a good night and a bad night. Um, now it's just... It's been a, a consecutive string of, and I'm not even sure how many games now, but of, of rough shooting nights for Jetty. And we're seeing it, you know, kind of come and cut down minutes now. Um, it just, the, the, the confidence with him seems to have, have faded just a little bit, which was not something I expected to see. Um, obviously, you know, that we can look at other things and just, you know, the shot selection in general. But yeah, Jetty's, Jetty's been an interesting case. Um, I, don't really think that he should be the one starting. Um, I guess you can make. I'll, I'll say this. I'm going to push back against your Lamar Stevens should start take, just because part of the problem with this team is spacing and starting two non shooters in the center and Okoro, and I think that was just amplified by starting Jared Allen, who was a third, um, you know, non floor spacer. I think that just kills the Cavs. They just can't do it. Um, I, I do agree with your take that I like Tarian Prince more off the bench, and we had kind of mentioned this in the past, uh, that he's just kind of able to hunt shots and play his game a little bit more off the bench when he, it, compared to having to just kind of play a complementary role in the starting offense. I just don't think that that's where he's best. But right now, I just think they have to. I don't really think they're left with any other choices. Um, they, they just need a floor spacer out there. Um, and if that's Jetty, if he's going to you know start shooting the ball, and if he's if he's going to... 
not do some of the jetty things. Again, that's that's another thing where it's just a disaster on defense, especially at the power forward spot. I just don't think you can guard bigger guys like that. That's but, fair. Um, but one thing to add, if I may, is that... Yeah, go ahead. And somebody that's played a lot of 2K in recent months, when I first got 20, I was using the old school Cavs a lot. And as you know, back in, back in the day, most teams are lucky to have one good three-point shooter, let alone multiple. I think that if the Cavs were... Doing what they were about, what that they did, what I suggested, it would kind of be like Price and Elo backcourt. So you got Darius and Colin, and then you got okay, and then you got like a Nance, Hot Rod, and then Doherty up front. None of them can shoot the three. They're all good on the defensive end, just like you get with Lamar, Okoro, and Allen. It would kind of be like that. I don't think it would win a ton, but I think it could be good just for five or six minutes. Then you bring in your shooters again. The only reason I like that lineup is that. It incur- it's going to force Darius and Colin to both be aggressive because, if anything, the only people they should worry about getting involved in the first five minutes of a game are each other. And I really stick with that. So, you know. That, that gets difficult, though, just uh, because you know, defenses are able to help off so much. I don't know. I, I, and we can kind of move on to Lamar now. I've been very, very impressed by him. Uh, you know, in the Nuggets game, struggled, you know, didn't have a good shooting night. Nobody did. Uh, in the second game, you know, bounce back a little bit. Um, I, I like Lamar Stevens, and in some of those, you know, kind of deep, you know, bench lineups, he is kind of an option to, you know, provide a little bit of offense. Mid-range shot, um, yeah. I've, I've been very, very impressed with his ability to not only, like, hit mid-range shots, but really be able to create his own and create space and separation to, to get those shots off. So that has been something that is very impressive, but I think it's it's pretty obvious at this point that the three point shot just isn't there. And I, I understand your your take of you know Colin and Sexton needing to just kind of play off of each other and you know you know try to get each other involved and just kind of focus on them. But especially when you know they both are, and, and Darius is interesting because he's, he's still shooting a fair amount of threes. You know, in the last game he shot six. I still think that number should be higher. I think he should be looking for more outside shots. Colin has really shied away from the threes as of late. And when you have two smaller guards who are kind of relying on, you know, being able to drive and get some of those push shots off and floaters, that's where it gets really, really, really difficult without spacing and without guys who are serious threats. And if you're going to be putting Okoro and Stevens and Allen slash Drummond out there, I just don't think there's enough. Uh, especially if you have Drummond out there with that little spacing, you're going to get a lot of post-ups with him just because the guards aren't able to do anything. Um, and just because he's Andre Drummond and he's going to command post-ups for some reason. Yep. But one thing that I've kind of seen suggested in, in multiple spots around, um, and I don't necessarily agree with it, I think that the focus shouldn't be just on winning games. It should be more on development right now. But I've seen it floated out there that maybe the Cavaliers should replace Isaac Okoro with somebody in the starting lineup. Uh, and again, the argument would just be uh, to let him kind of work against maybe some lesser competition in the second unit um, and to get another floor spacer on the floor, you know, be it <laughs> oh. uh, Dylan Widler or a right, Jetty wait, Osman. I'm sorry. Sorry, I got I to I just want to get your take. I want to get yep. your take. I want to get your take. No, no. Do you think I, that there's any reason that the Cavaliers should bench Isaac? I couldn't. I could not wait to just grill that take. And it's not you. I'm grilling whoever came up with it. Here's why. Let's just look at some of the great bench scores through the years. And this has nothing to do with who the Cavs have on the bench. J.R. Smith came off the bench when he was in Denver for a younger Aaron Aflalo and for Dante Jones. You know, Dante Jones was not a great scorer. You know, James Harden came off the bench for Thabo Cephalosha. 
Kevin Martin came off the bench in OKC also, I believe, for uh, Thabo Cephalosha. You know, um, every team is eventually going to need that great sixth-man score, which is why the Cavs have missed Jordan Clarkson so much. But the idea that a guy like Okoro should be coming off the bench, here's the thing. When you, when you, if you didn't use a high pick on Okoro, I would have no problem with that. You use the number five pick on the guy. He's overall, I think, done a, a world of good on the defensive end. When you're talking about bringing him off the bench for someone else, A, the only guy that I would, that would I think deserves any merit to start over him would be Damian Dotson, which would do absolutely nothing because having him with Sex Lamb would eviscerate the defense in every way, well, shape, and form. Well, how about starting Dylan Windler over him? I want Dylan at the four, though. I don't want his – for now. Mm, I if, don't – When they're If they're at full strength, maybe, but I just think – you don't want to hurt his confidence right now because I know he's Dylan's going to get cooked by too many power forwards. Yeah, I just look, Dylan off the bench is what we need. Dylan could be that sixth man. Dylan can get hot. Dylan's an energy guy. I, I think Dylan, in a sense, this might sound idiotic, but I'm going to I'm going to roll with it. I think he could kind of be like a Montrez Harrell in the sense he's not going to finish in the paint in the same way, and he's not going to dominate on the boards, but he gets you rebounds in traffic. He's going to make the hustle play. We've seen him dive after a lot of loose balls. And he's just a winning player who's just finding his way. Montrez took a couple of years to find his footing, people forget. He was kind of a ninth, tenth man in Houston for a couple of years before becoming the sixth, seventh guy in L.A. and now with the Lakers on a team that everyone's watching. I just see that kind of impact for him off the bench. And unless they want to start him at the four, but a Coro off the bench isn't going to work. Tony Allen, and it's a different era, but I could see him being a Tony Allen type guy if he really works on his craft and he can eventually guard bigger He'll put on more weight. There's no you know you know how many guys come in thin and get bulked. No one thought Giannis would become this jacked monster. I mean, look at him. He just puts the time in. And Tony Allen did the same. So many guys that are bulked up. I, I bet you Sergi Baca, who's probably the most muscle in the NBA, other than LeBron, came in scrawny and then built himself. No, I mean, Justin, you were a high school athlete, as we talked. But I, I bet you, when you came in as a freshman, you were probably not the weight your coach wanted. Then by the time you got to varsity, whatever year that was, you were bulked up enough for your position, right? Because you needed the time. You come in, you see what you got. You, then you get there, and they give you their regime. Coral hasn't had an offseason yet. I think that it's this is just about learning curve. Keep him in the starting lineup. If you want to bench him, wait till next season, then make that decision. And I think he'll have... A whole off-season regime now where he's been with JB, he's been with these guys because he didn't join the team until November 18th for a season that started on December 23rd. People forget that. And, you know, I think he's going to get that opportunity to bulk up. And I think we're going to see a new man next year for whatever we see this season. It's only going to be better. So I would not want to jump ship and just put him on the bench. That That's my long-winded answer to your, to your uh, thing. To be fair, like, I, I do agree with you. I, I believe in you know continuing to start a core. I think that that's again the, the route that they should take. Um, you know, people talking about, and that's another thing that's been popular on you know Cavs Twitter lately is I've seen plenty of Isaac Okoro is a bust type takes. Um, this is somebody that the Cavaliers drafted and as a prospect was always going to be a strong defender out of the gates who needed some offensive polish. And I'll ask you this question, Zach. What has Isaac Okoro been up to this point in the season for the Cavaliers? Yeah, so first, we look at the numbers, and we're basically going to ignore them, but I'm going to give them. Eight points, two rebounds, two assists, 1.1 steals, 0.4 blocks. The key is that he's playing 34 minutes and turning it over 1.2 times. Again, he's not a playmaker, but two assists to just one turnover for a guy that's not known for anything with its passing ability, I think is a good start there. 
And look, he's shooting 28% from three. He's going to find his shot. You know, I, I see a very good defensive player who, against Portland, it was just unfair. You know, he, he was a little too physical with Dame right out of the gate. I feel like refs generally are going to give the benefit to a guy like Lillard. And it was fair. It wasn't an unfair call. A guy like Lillard's going to get a call over a Coro. It's a little too physical a couple of times. I think only played eight minutes in the first half. I see a guy that wants to learn. I see a guy that, first off, what's most important is that he's happy. You know, every time we watch the game and in pregame, he seems to be happy. You know, he seems engaged with Cavs Twitter whenever I see him tweeting, which isn't that often, but I remember it was after, I think, the Brooklyn game. He was really fired up, and just to see the him, 20 years old, kind of taking to social media and expressing that. A lot of young guys seemingly have had issues in Cleveland, as posed by the media, at least. So to see him excited is great. They've got a hard-nosed player. And you know what he should be doing is when you join the NBA, Justin, you have this unbelievable wealth of resources. Jason Tatum, uh, RIP Kobe. You know, Jason Tatum, I don't know who sought out who, but his work with Kobe transformed him from a guy that was projected to be a very good scorer to being a top 12 player in the NBA very quickly. I think Okoro should be trying to talk to the guys like Tony Allen. I think he should be reaching out, you know, going even back. I mean, we talked to like a Bruce Bowen. You know, he was a little dirty, but he made some good plays, right? I want to see him, maybe even Tayshawn Prince, whoever he can just get a phone number of. Then maybe it's different with COVID. You can't just get in the gym with anybody anymore. But I want to see him working hard. I want to see him with these people that were the, the grinders that played their tails off, you know, I wish the Cavs had David Nawaba on the team still because I just think there's so much he could teach him about just playing physical despite being a little undersized as a wing because Nawaba's crushing it with Houston since he got healthy this year. So I just think use your resource now that you're in the NBA and he can be an unbelievable player. I don't say I don't think he has to do this to get there, but I think it would be very wise of him to think about that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, and... Yeah, I think you know. Just the biggest thing with me is this is a guy who, one, you mentioned you know the, the nice assist to turnover ratio, and it's not like he's a big assist guy. He's also not a high usage guy. Um, it's not like he has the ball in his hands, you know, running running sets, running plays. And I think I'll just I'll circle back to this one last time, just because you know I think this is another reason. Um, I think one more reason that people have kind of called for him to come off the bench is to give him a bigger role in the offense. Um, you know, having him play. With Sexton, with Garland, he kind of has to play off of them. If the if the with with Drummond, it's the same. Um, I think if you were able to kind of come off the bench, you know, maybe you give him a larger role and a larger share in the offense, and that might come with some mixed results at first. Obviously, you know, he's he's not a, not a, a polished offensive player, but I think you know he's just a guy who makes the right reads on that end. Uh, the, the shooting numbers are still rough, but I think the shot still looks fine. Um, he's been good from the corners. I think we've we've seen him hitting some difficult shots too. Like he's, he's, he's hit a couple of step backs as of late, you know, like the shots, obviously like it, it's, it's not broken completely. It's still not polished, but it's not broken. Um, and then, like I said, on the defensive end, this is a guy who you're asking to guard. You know, you're, you're asking him to guard the toughest player on the other team, the best player on the other team every night. He's never getting a night off on that end. He's always getting the difficult assignment, whether it is a Damian Lord or, you know, a Kevin Durant or whoever, you know, it might be. He's always tasked with the, you know the the best perimeter player. So, yeah, I I don't <laughs> I don't think that there's anybody who can actually get behind, um, you know, Okoro being a bad selection for this team. 
I saw, I think it was, you know, the guy you mentioned earlier, I already forgot his name, but I think he writes for, like, Factory of Sadness. On, Chad, uh, Chad Porto? Let's, let's need to make sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yep, C-H-A-D-P-O-R-T-O. Slander that man. Slander him. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's it's just, it's such a lazy take, and it's it's so clear that you're really not watching him closely because he does do so many good things. Yes, he kind of hurts this, this, this offense because it's already a little bit bogged down, and not having a three-point shooter on the floor at that position can hurt teams. It can hurt offenses, especially when you don't have a floor spacing five. And especially when you're going to start Jared Allen at the four and you, you have three non-floor spacers. But overall, it's just a lazy take. Um, it's, it's frustrating to see things like that. Hey, everyone. The NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Um, circling around to Windler a little bit more, though, um, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm again not really on the... Uh, they played Dylan Windler at power forward minutes. And even if you were to start uh, Okoro and Windler together, I think that Okoro would kind of guard more of the power forward position than Windler. Montrez Harrell is an interesting comparison, I'll say, because while they definitely don't play the same games, um, obviously Montrez is a paint-bound guy. I like the comparison of the, the kind of energy that Dylan should be trying to provide because they are obviously both very good rebounders. Yep. Um, or six, and, six. and you know just guys who yeah um, and I think obviously Montrez Harrell is just a lot a lot bigger than Dylan a lot stronger um, but you know guys who are kind of gritty and you know we saw you know the, the double double from him and you know that's despite continuing to struggle from outside uh, the, these past you know couple weeks have really been rough for him uh, against Denver he shot one for five against Portland he shot two for seven both those numbers from deep um but again, I think there's just so much other good stuff that he's doing. Um, the rebounding, uh, again, just making right decisions with the ball. And, you know, I, I like him kind of starting to finally be a little bit more aggressive when he has the ball, um, not just passing up, you know, semi-open looks and taking him, even if he is missing him. Um, do you, I'm assuming that you want to see continue to see Wendler shooting the ball this way, even if the shots aren't falling. I think that that's something that, we could both agree, you know, those types of shots are going to fall sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, uh, I loved watching that step back a couple games back. I'm like, wait a minute. You never put the ball on the floor. You, you're you always passing. What are you doing with this step back buckets? Like, what is this Dylan Windler? I love this Dylan Windler. I want to see more of that Dylan Windler. Yeah, because the issue was, and he got hurt in the very first game after missing an entire year. So it just... It's been a bunch of bad luck, but what you want to see with Windler is confidence. And I think that when he started to, as soon as he made that shot, he's like, wait, 
I dominated at Belmont. I know I'm one of the younger guys on the court. I think he's going to be 24. He's already a little older playing four years, but still young in NBA years. I think that he got his confidence back. And I, I know he's not shooting a well from three of 13, as you mentioned, the last two games. But I just want, I like the attempts. The Cavs aren't expected to beat any of these teams. And if Wilner makes a few more of those, maybe they do. So the fact that he's taking them, because the Cavs don't take enough threes. If they're trying, then anything anything is possible, man. So I'm, I love an aggressive Dylan Wendler. The percentages will eventually be there if he's confident now. So, Well, we can kind of get into the three-point shooting um, and talk about Darius Garland in particular, a guy who, again, just I, – I, I want to see him take more. Um, and we can, you know, the same thing can be said for Sexton. Uh, I think it can be more said for Sexton as far as just kind of reluctancy to shoot from out there. But Darius, I think, is the guy who – I think that, you know, at his best, Darius should be shooting roughly eight threes a game. And we are obviously not seeing that right now. Um, overall, you know, he's been he's been getting to his floater. He's been getting to that mid-range spot um, consistently, especially with Jared Allen on the floor when he can run, you know, a real pick and roll. I think we see a lot more of those shots opening up for him. But do you want to – do you want to see – Darius Garland be a little bit more aggressive from outside. Um, you know, obviously he shoots the open ones, but I feel like, you know, kind of that some of the confidence that we, well, I, I guess I won't say, I'll, I'll try to phrase this the best way possible. In his rookie season, um, you know, he shot a lot more deep threes. I think he shot a lot more step backs and just, you know, kind of trying to create from outside. And I think part of that was his lack of confidence in driving to the rim, obviously, because physically he wasn't right in his rookie year. Um, and he, he just didn't have that explosiveness, that that kind of bounce in his step that he has now to get to the rim. But I would like to see a little bit of that reg- uh, that aggression from outside return. Would you agree with that? Yes, because every time I watch another team in the NBA just move the ball and guys are cashing threes, I'm like, I wish my team could just shoot threes with that confidence. Not necessarily making it, but with the confidence. Everybody's passive. They don't have that one guy, not even Torian, not Colin, not Darius, not Willard, not even Jetty, who's just going to be like, I don't care. I'm taking the three as soon as I get the ball. At least not as of late. Early in the season, Jetty was fine. Oh, he was hot. He was hot. And because he was the sixth man when they kind of had things figured out, and I liked his role early in the season with the guys around him. But as soon as Love went out, everything slowly started to shift, and that's when the starting lineup started to get different every game. But I, want, I do want to see Garland shoot with confidence. I think he can knock them down. And I remember last year when he would take the three, I was confident of a basket every time it left his hands. I do want to see closer to seven, eight attempts. With that being the case, I'd love to see him around 34 to 36% at least so that he's not just taking and then hoping for the best because we're not making comparisons. And take this, do not take this as a comparison. Marcus Smart early and has never been a good field goal percentage shooter. I think he's probably the most impactful 38% shooter in NBA history from the field over this however many years he's been playing. But he just started to get confident, which is why I think we've seen him really improve his three-point stroke. I don't know how many he was shooting before he got hurt this year or how many he took last year exactly. I don't have it in front of me, but it's definitely better than it was. And you, you worry about him. I want to see Garland with that same type of confidence where, okay, we, you know, I, he's like, I know I can make the shot. I can make it when I'm practicing probably 20 times out of 21, maybe every all 20. I can make it when I'm playing one-on-one. I can make it in a three-on-three. So why can't I make it in an NBA five-on-five? I just want to see the confidence there because as soon as he's confident in it, 
He'll stop second-guessing. As Austin Carr always loves to mention, he hates when guys second-guess themselves, as we all do, but he's just saying it on the broadcast. And I'm with that. Confidence, and then eventually, he'll be a great shooter. Yeah, I think I just think you know, along with the confidence, he should just be hunting those shots more. Um, I, I'd like to just see him, you know. And you mentioned it. There's so many driving kicks, you know, to a guy who instead of shooting it, then drives again and kicks again. Um, I would just like to see instead of that, you know, whether it is a Tarian or a Darius or a Colin, try to create something, you know, outside the arc. And I think this is a team that's done better as you know, at least shooting threes as of late. There was a period of time there where they just weren't shooting any. Um, and they've, they've, you can tell that they're trying to fix that problem, and maybe it is a little bit unnatural. Maybe that's part of the problem. But um, you know, as of late, because they, they they have been shooting more and they just aren't falling now, uh, and I think part of that will you know fix itself over time. But you know, at the same time, I, I I would just like to see Darius with just a little bit more of an instinct to you know to pull from outside to 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 try to create those shots. Beyond the arc, like like I like we've seen him earlier in his career. Yeah, I want to see a sniper out there. I don't want to see a guy that's hesitant. I think he's what six one, six two, you know. And not that he needs to do what I mentioned. Decoro does as far as seeking out resources, but I would love to see. I wish the Cavs had one of those sharpshooters. He doesn't have to get minutes, kind of like when they had Corver, right, or back in the JR Sign Kyle days. Sign yeah. Kyle Corbin. Sign Kyle. Well, why not? Or, or sign JR. Or sign JR. I wish. I, I just want to <laughs> no. see what I think. The, what I think the Cavs lack when Kevin Love is out is a guy that just shoots lights out all the time. He might not get all the minutes, but he's lights out. I think that I don't know. I feel like teams like the Raptors benefit guys at the end of the bench benefit from shooting against Matt Thomas in practice because of how good he is. I bet in Portland, all these guys like I bet Nasir Little when he eventually becomes a rotation player. I think it'll happen at some point becomes great because Gary Trent was out there in 15 or 0. He's like, I want to do that. I don't think the Cavs have that guy, to be honest. I know they're all working at it, but I don't think they have that player. So I would just love to see a guy that can push him to want to be a great shooter. I do think that matters somewhat. I know him and Colin are probably always pushing each other to get better, and I know they're never going to embrace the nickname and for good measure, but I know that they like, I think they're both probably intrigued that, hey, it's cool that we even have a nickname, even if they're not going to acknowledge that. They want to stay humble, I'll say right? this. I'll say this. They may not embrace it, but they have accepted it. I think that they have at least accepted the name. Yeah. And that being said, that that basically says, hey, we're making enough waves that the fans care enough to mention this about us. And look, good thing, good days are going to be ahead for both of them. And maybe even an hour and 20 minutes from now, when the next game tips off against the Clippers, we're going to be watching both of them go crazy. Who knows? I'm not making any predictions for that game just yet on their performance. But... Yeah, I want to see, as you said, confidence and start hunting the three. It's not always about the floater. If you can get the floater, that's great. But only take the floater, perhaps, if you're in a one-on-one situation. He's a, it's a good defender, and that's all you get. But don't settle for it, okay? This, is, this isn't pickup basketball. This is NBA basketball. Your, your stats and the win-loss of whatever evening's game is going to impact a lot more than just you and the 12 guys on the court. It's going to impact the front office. How many people go? It's going to affect merchandise. Everything is impacted by the way you play the game. And not to add pressure to any of this, but you know what I'm saying, Justin. It's a lot. He just has to be confident because at the end of the day, the NBA is the toughest basketball league in the world. He's one of 30 starting point guards in that league. And I think he needs to start proving how lethal he can be. You mentioned, you know, just not having that shooter in practice. 
I would really be interested to kind of look behind the scenes and see how Damien Dotson shoots the ball in practice. That's my bad. I totally I feel like he is a guy who could like, and obviously, I mean, talk about another guy who's been struggling from deep. Um, and, you know, that was something that he really struggled with early on when he was getting heavy minutes. And, you know, I, I usually like, you know, guys being able to kind of work that out as the season goes on. As the season goes on. But um, obviously, with his inconsistent role as of late, that really hasn't helped him trying to find a rhythm. But I feel like that's the type of guy who, you know, <laughs> I feel like he's definitely a guy who in practice could light it up at times just because we know that shooting ability is there. Oh, no doubt. Actually, I'm sorry I even forgot about him. I love Dotson. I just, we talked about so many other guys, but I don't think the only time his name got mentioned was when I jokingly said he should start at small forward. And I, I, I love the guy, and I hope he sticks around for both years of his deal and doesn't just get. I think they're both guaranteed, although I would, wouldn't be surprised. If no, next, he's not guaranteed next year. No, he's not. So, I mean, I, if I'm the Cavs, I totally, depending on the offseason, I accept that. You might move him to more of a G. I would assume the G League is back to normal by next season where you kind of just call up and send down. I would kind of put him not on a two-way, but on the end of bench contract. And then you could give him time in the G League. So, Yeah, he, he's he's not eligible for a two-way. But he is. Like, I, I don't really think of him as... A guy at this point who would receive major G League minutes. I think if that's your plan for him, you probably just wave him. Uh, I think that this is, this team is is looking for him to you know be available at all times to contribute. But um, yeah, I've, I'm, we don't need to get into Dotson too much. We've we've covered him plenty here. But uh, I think it's time that we have the Andre Drummond conversation, Zach. Yep, um, let's have it. I think it's time. Um, you know, obviously the Cavaliers have been labeled as a seller. We all know at this point, I think, that Andre is probably on his way out at some point. Um, like I said earlier, ask Cavs Twitter, and they're they're begging you every moment they get to trade him. Um, it's it's been it's been rough because this is a guy who we, you know early on was engaged, was you know really making an impact, um, and, and you saw the the moments of frustration and you know bad plays and and whatever. But I think. This past, you know, two and a half weeks, we have started to see the decline in focus and engagement, and I think it's really, really starting to prove itself, or it's really starting to show itself now. On these past couple of games, he shot two for seven, uh, three for nine. He's scored, you know, eight points, four points. Um, he's not grabbing rebounds at the same rate that he was. He's getting six and five. Um, you know, against against the Suns a little bit ago, we had mentioned that you know he's just getting he, he's getting bullied by DeAndre Ayton. Um, he's just he's not really fighting for for the rebounds in the same way. And I think that's reflected in his minutes. Um, he's been playing you know sixteen, seventeen, and tonight he's out with rest, which is odd. Like I said, you know the Cavaliers, uh, Chris Vito reported that you know that there's not a trade currently you know about to go down that's not the reason that they're resting him but it's it's really pretty clear that he's he's kind of starting to lose focus he's not you know putting out the same effort the same energy that he was yeah no no doubt about that and it's interesting because i've watched a lot of road broadcasts and it's not their job to bash players unless a guy is horribly bad during a certain game they really don't have enough the jurisdiction to be honest Right, they have to give you the facts, but remain semi upbeat and professional. Right? I mean, I, yes. I, I aspire to have that role at some point in my life where I'm doing. I mean, I do play by play now, but you know, at a really high level like that. And it's you're a bit censored, though, understandably, because of everything yes. that's happening. And they're always unless like, you're oh. Clay Thompson. Yeah, 
And it's always like uh, Drummond is second in the league in rebound. Drummond is first. You know, Drummond's had this great game, and it's impressive the way they've slowed down Drummond. And I'm just thinking every time I hear that, that look, it, it's it's it is true, but at the same time, there's really not too much to stop if you really box him out. He's not going to work as hard. You know, he kind of takes what's given to him. And at this point, with the Cavs giving up so many points, I think that's a big reason for his rebound drop. Is that the Cavs, when they were a very good defensive team, there were more th- more shots to grab in certain areas around the rim. And now, with how many points they're giving up, there's less rebound opportunities when he's on the court. I think that's the case more than anything because generally. Off a miss, I still trust him more than anybody else, even more than Jared Allen, to grab the rebound. But it is time to trade him. You can you know? also trust him to miss the shot more than any other player on the team. Unfortunately, yes. You know, there are times <laughs> he, he makes still makes the good outlet passes, and uh, but sometimes it's just gotten bad. His field goal percentage has dipped incredibly low. I don't understand it, you know. And it wasn't at a high point to begin with. No, but 49 isn't terrible for a guy that takes the shots he does. I mean, he's big, but he doesn't have the oh, touch. I'll, I'll say this. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but 49% for a guy who takes the shots he does is pretty awful. Um, for a guy whose shots come all around the rim and at the paint, or at the around the paint and at the rim, I should say, it's really not very good. And I think we've seen that you know show itself plenty this year. I, I I will just say that, that with the shots he's taking around the rim and the, the, the shots that he misses, I will say that that is not a good number. <laughs> no, it's not good, but usually he creates putback opportunities off those misses on a, on four or five occasions. So sometimes it's a little lower than it is because he's still getting it. It's just he's missing. Generally, it's at least close, but what the worst shots are the ones that roll off the side of the rim, which seems to happen often, where he either goes up righty or lefty with like a 12-foot hook. He just doesn't have the touch of a Jokic and Embiid or a Towns, and I think he really wants to. He just he can't. That's not his game. I think he can still be a starter for a lot of teams who can average a double-double. I think he can get his blocks up as well if he just... Gets a co- maybe it's the lack of direction because Detroit has never been a hasn't been a serious franchise since they last made the conference finals. I think it was maybe oh, I think they made it. Might have been the last time the Cavs beat them, unless they had one. May have had one more trip there. Might have been that. No, I think it was the Cavs beat the Pistons in 06. I think that was it. Then the Pistons got swept in the first round by the Cavs in 08. I believe, and then they did. They got swept by them again in 2015. Pistons haven't won a playoff game in what, 15 years. I think it was 2016 that they, 16, they swept thank the Cavs. You. 2015, or 16. The Cavs swept them. The Cavs yes. swept them. Thank you. So seven years after they finally got back to the playoffs, they got the Cavs again. They got swept again. That franchise hasn't been serious in a long time, and I don't think they've ever had a, a great disciplinarian coach. I do think that's what Drummond kind of needs, and maybe he's not responding well to it, and that's why he's not playing as well. But I think if he goes to a, let's say, a Brooklyn, hypothetically, then it's going to be an interesting fit. And he's definitely not going to be closing games for them. I can guarantee you that because I I think Durant will be playing the five in those late game situations for them. And he'll be playing with Jeff Green. They'll think that's enough size against most teams. It will be. But he'll, I think he'll be better because I know they're not a great defensive team, but I think they could unlock his offense where he's playing with the most talented offense in history. I think with Mike D'Antoni there and Steve Nash there and Jock Vaughn did a really nice job last year uh, as their interim head coach and the associate head coach for a couple of years. I think they just have offensive geniuses that are going to help him understand what to do. I just don't think the Cavs, 
and I'm not blaming the staff. This is just Drummond being Drummond right now. But I think if the staff truly cared about seeing his development or seeing him be better, they would be telling him or they'd be doing something. I just feel like they're not doing anything. They just kind of – it's that limbo period, kind of when Jimmy Butler started the season with Minnesota three years ago and then eventually got traded. And when Harden started the season with Houston this year and then got traded, they're just kind of waiting it out. Except there's they're not forcing this one. Where in the other case, there were always rumors and news. This one might be a little, this one might be like quiet desperation to get rid of him, which is probably why he's resting tonight. But I just don't think they care enough to see him play well. They're just like, so let's watch him stink so Jarrett can play 30 minutes, honestly. And that's the, that's really how I feel. So, yeah. It's, it's weird to see after, you know, two games ago playing 16 minutes, last game playing 17 that he's resting tonight. Um, do you think that there's any chance that he finishes the season with the Cavs at this point? It seems like, you know, I'm not so sure that the Nets get a deal done, but with, with teams like the Raptors who reportedly have interest, I think the Mavericks are another team that makes sense. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Is there, is there any chance that he finishes the season here? Very doubtful. And two things. I want to, A, I want to notice if he's at the game, and B, I want to watch his body language on the bench. Because usually when he comes out, he's actually sitting with the coaches, if you've noticed, not the players. I've been curious about that for much of the year. Because he usually takes a seat by the assistants. He generally, unless it's a blowout, never goes to the end of the bench. I've, I've seen him hang out with guys in huddles right before he comes in. But I always wonder, he's the only player in that stance. I don't know if he asked for it, if the coach gave him that seat. But I always see him. This was before Allen was really a big impact guy. When it was still kind of Drummond and then Allen was getting his minutes. Where Drummond, right, plays his eight or nine, whatever, comes out, sits there, doesn't really interact with anybody. And comes back in. He looks good when he's on the court as far as interaction goes. Then he leaves and goes back to that seat, yada, yada. I want to notice his body language tonight. There's no way he finishes the – if that will be terrible for the team if he does because he's not exactly old at 27. But Drummond is definitely holding them back. I think that if the Cavs had a good offer for McGee, they might have already taken it. I guess the case would be the same with Drummond. I've seen a bunch of rumors out there. If the Raptors can get one or two players, I would take anyone on that roster for Drummond, honestly. I think the Raptors have a lot of uh, di- uh, talent that maybe not be getting as much minutes. They can get Matt Thomas to be a scorer, right? If they can get I- – I doubt they're going to give up Malachi Flynn. The Cavs don't need another guard, but he's extremely talented, right? We've even seen good things from DeAndre Bembry. I know people want Boucher and or Powell. Boucher, unlikely. Well, I think those guys would be required to make salaries work if it was just going to be a, a two-team trade. Right, but I think it would probably be three-team. I'd love to see Norman Powell in the Cavs. I think he could be a taller version of Jordan Clarkson who might also start. I don't know. I would debate starting him over a Coro. He might be one of the only guys they would get in a potential deal. I, I don't know that Toronto does that. Toronto might be fine with Boucher and Baines. I mean, I don't think they're terrible. I think they just want an impact guy, so maybe they make a deal. But... If Dallas, but people are saying Chris Dobbs, LOL, 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 but maybe Dwight Powell, right? Or I don't see Dallas trading Hardaway. I see him staying. I don't know what they get. Maybe uh, James- I think it, it would be a, a package of it would be James Johnson, who's on an expiring oh, yeah, sixteen million yep. deal, and Powell. It would then be either like Powell or Kleba, and then you know whatever else. Oh, it no would way take. Dallas gets rid of if the Cavs found a way to get Maxi Kleba, who from Dirk's hometown, is very good at everything that he does. If he if he decides he wants to score a lot, he'll get you up to 20 points. If he wants to rebound, he'll grab those. It's a very good rim protector for someone that's 6'10". 
I mean, I love Maxi Kleba. If they could, but I, I doubt that. I'm okay with Dwight Powell. I think he was drafted by the Cavs, traded to Boston in a. Uh, I think he was traded with uh, Tyler Zeller in 2014, so he never actually played for the Cavs. But that'll be a cool little reunion, you know. A uh, couple guys, I think we've talked about this before. Maybe it was on my show. We talked about uh, Cavs draft picks that eventually played for the team despite not being there after being selected by them. But you know, we'll see. But He's, yeah, I don't want him to stay. Get get Drummond out. For a while, I was defending him, and I thought some Cavs fans were irrational with the dis- disdain, but I've, I've seen the light, and the light is off in Andre Drummond's lair, room, playing time, whatever. You know. Well, yeah, for, I, I'm sorry. My, my charger fell off my uh, my table here. No problem. But, Hope um, it's all right. Oh, it's okay. Good. I got to ask you the question, Zach. Which household item would you want to acquire for Andre Drummond? <laughs> you set that up. And for those who don't know, for those who don't know, across the Cavs Twitter, run by Zach, tweeted out, name a household. This was during, was it during the Trailblazers game? No, this was just, this was just last night. There's no just, game. Just, just I, I, I want to engage with people. Or, yeah, okay, okay. Name a household <laughs> item you'd like to, the Cavs to acquire in exchange for one of their big men. So I have to know. Out of all, the, there are a lot of household items. You, know, you, you can from appliances to you know. I think you tweeted about laundry detergent. Yep, oh, that was. What's main. the that thing that you want to see? Yeah, what do you, what so, do you want to see? First, uh, by the way, this this is this tweet's inspired by the great uh, player, GM, owner, coach Jackie Moon, who helped negotiate a trade with the Boston Celtics. He sent a uh, washing machine over to the Celtics. In exchange, they brought back NBA champion, kind of 13th man, Eric Monix. Helped guide uh, the Flint Tropics into a Mega Bowl title. If you haven't watched the Flint Michigan Mega Bowl, I highly recommend you watch it. It features the al- the birth of the alley-oop. That's right. And Will Arnett is there to tell you about it. Will Arnett. Love Will Arnett. Uh, I don't remember his name in the movie. Anyway, not to get off track. Um, yeah, I tweeted two things. I believe I said I would love uh, three cartons of eggs because... The Cavs can get rid of their bigs, and I can make my make a nice souffle. I'm not a souffle guy, but I can become a souffle guy with all these three extra yeah. eggs that I'm getting. <laughs> uh, and B, you know, I, uh, someone I was ta- I was interacting with was mentioning laundry machine, and I asked if the dryer was included. And then I think I joked that we would just ask for a locker instead because we'd have a locker for the laundry machine. And it can just leave the clothes there because the Cavs don't know how to manage lockers very well. So it would actually be an irresponsible trade to get to acquire a locker because they're going to give it to Torian instead of Kevin Porter. And then they're going to make another bad trade. <laughs> it's all starts in the locker. But you know, I'm, I'm going to go three cartons of eggs, A. I'll go two months supply of chocolate milk, B, because who doesn't love chocolate milk? Shout out Kevin Love, Al Horford, and Clay Thompson for telling us in the commercials how great it is. And C... You know, I'm going to have to go with, if we're in the NBA, we could call it an indoor basketball court household item, but we can't. Uh, <laughs> I'd love that. I'm just going to go with a attachable basketball hoop as my final answer. You know why, Justin? The one that you can put on the door? Yeah, put it on the door, and then I can become an impact player just like Andre Drummond has been for the Cavs. I'll get you can all shoot the, your eggs. I can shoot my eggs into the hoop, love the pan underneath the hoop, and for every one I miss... Well, that's just another five minutes of vacuuming. But every one that I make, that's another step closer to replacing Andre Drummond as the shortest starting center in NBA history. Folks, I am 5'11", 162. I am ready for action at the center position. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you know, I mean, you, you talk about vacuuming. Um, you might be able to, if you're bargaining with one of these teams, you might be able to bargain a vacuum in there. You That's, might be able to squeeze it out of them. There's some expensive vacuums. I, I, I've seen seven, eight, nine hundred dollar vacuums out there. We're gonna, you know, we'll get the the Vax Mega Super Squeegee Pro five thousand. Re- retails for fourteen hundred and ninety nine. Now included with this trade for Andre Drum. I'm sorry, Andre. I used to love you. I do wish you the best, but. Boy, my these these floors are gonna be so squeaky clean that and I saw you spit on the floor in your All Star picture. I'm sorry, Andre. You're not gonna be welcome in this house because with this with this vacuum, and I'm excited. Now now we gotta actually get this to happen. We gotta we gotta get in touch with Will Ferrell, uh, circa 1976 when he was uh, Jackie Moon. I just wanted to highlight some other answers that I thought were good. Uh, one guy said a lint roller. <laughs> um, yep. Somebody said. A trash compactor. That's important. But uh, yep. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, that's important. Why is that important? No, trash compactor. I mean, if not, how are you going to condense the trash? You don't want to be taking out a new bag every twelve hours. They're only they're only going to collect once a week, and in some cases, once every two weeks. You really want to have to buy an extra garbage can to go with your to, instead of getting a free compactor? Like, can you imagine hey, how many bags you know, of trash? You know how 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 much of a pain it is, Justin. While while we're on this. To have to just every day or every other day you replace the trash bag and you got to get it over all four corners and it's almost impossible to get it to stick. It's almost as hard as watching the Cavs some nights. <laughs> <laughs> Against the Nuggets, that was uh, hey, I I might rather do that than watch that <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, I'd rather be frustrated um, somewhere else where there's there's warranted frustration. We shouldn't have to be frustrated with the Cavs, but this this is going to create frustration anyway. Uh, another guy said a frying pan. Oh, that's a good um, one. Yep. Uh, uh, somebody said they would, uh, a fridge would play more defense than Drummond. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, they, they call I, him the big penguin when you're there with the big fridge instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> a can opener that doesn't have to be electric. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's big because a, during a power outage, you know, and you have to, yeah, you have to worry yeah. about charging an electric can opener. Now you don't. Uh, one guy, this is one of my favorites, a step stool for Andre. <laughs> yeah, because now we get on the step stool and all of a sudden we're 6'10. We can, we can, we can just, yeah, we bring that step, yeah. we'll bring that step stool out. And you know what we're going to do with that step stool? We're going to take it out to the basketball just court. Justin, I think you're put six, it right in the paint. You're 6'5, st- right, Justin? Station it right in the paint. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So station it right in the paint and just stand there. Yeah. So hope they don't call a defensive three seconds. Yeah. We're doing one on one and I actually, uh, discretion here i told justin he can only shoot layups so then he didn't know i had a step stool that i just acquired from the raptors right they sent it from tampa bay easier to ship when they're not in canada i hope they hope they go back to canada because it stinks for all of them and the reason they're not winning is because they're playing out of country and no matter no one is really talking about that enough they're not struggling for any other reason but that but i go on the step stool all of a sudden i'm yao ming and Justin is as short as Spud Webb. So watch out, world. <laughs> I got my steps to And the, uh, <laughs> the last comment was a guy saying that he ran out of milk. So maybe some a carton of milk yes, for yes. or a gallon of milk. I do wonder if, if this was a Valentine's Day dessert, if it was a cer- if he had left enough for cereal. I think this might have been bad budgeting. Like honestly, Justin, I don't see how someone ever actually runs out of milk, because when you're low you generally make sure you get another one for that next day that you need it. So I think that's bad milk management. I think he needs to load manage with his milk. 
<laughs> but, I mean, how much milk is he going to ask for? Because I mentioned chocolate milk is one of my potentials. Like, is he going to get one car well, and two You can't ask for too much because I, I think you, you don't to. want it to go bad. Yeah, milk gets spoiled. But I think maybe you can get the rights to a farm. And so then you get specific cows that can get you this so milk. So we're going from asking for a carton of milk to cows. No, no, we're that asking for cows. That might be too much for the asking, other team. No, no, we're, we're just getting the, the milk portion. You know, these cows are going to live, you know, completely unimpeded. It's going to be, they're, they're not doing any extra work. They're have, they're living their lifestyle. Moo, moo to you. Moo, moo to you too, my brother. You know, but um, I want to see how much they can get though, right? I want to see good milk. I want to see an organic cow farm giving us the two percent the one percent the low fat the skim the ch- whatever like if you want milk for andre drummond milk builds strong bones there's a lot of issues in drummond's game but he does not have weak bones how much milk do you think andre drinks i think we can figure this out with his age we might be able to yeah um <laughs> I want to move on here. <laughs> I think that that's – we, we've had the Andre Drummond talk at this point. Yes. Um, I want to talk about Matthew Delvadova, uh, your favorite player. Uh, we, we've seen – obviously, we've talked about um, you know him saying that he, he isn't considering retirement, that he, he's focused on coming back. We have now seen him in video working out at the Cavs practice facility, um, You know, going, going through workouts, shooting workouts. It seems like he might be ready to come back soon. Um, I'm not sure how soon, but it, you know, it, it's looking like the timetable is gone from you know maybe he comes back this season to maybe he doesn't. To yeah, it definitely seems like we could at least see him at some point this year. Um, in what ways with this current roster do you see Delvadova making a major impact? Yeah. So first off, playmaking, and I've said this on I said this when we were together with Dan last Sunday for the Delvadova episode. I said this probably we talked before the season and why I wanted. We probably talked about this all off season. I mentioned his ability to make plays, find the open teammate, and not. And I don't care if Delhi takes fifteen seconds of dribbling; he's going to find someone open at some point. Just his creativity with the ball. I think his desire to win has always been there, and I think he just never gives up on possessions. You cannot say that about many players. I, I think we've seen every superstar give up on possessions before. I've never seen Dele give up on a possession in his life at any level that I've watched him play. Olympics, NBA, college high. I mean, we're not going to see it in a highlight, but everything I've watched from him at St. Mary's as well, and even in the D-League when he first uh, got to Cleveland. But, you know, what I think he can bring, playmaking, A, Nice mid-range game that they really don't need, but I think it'll be nice to have. Maybe his shot is back. We don't know. I think last year was a blip because he had shot the three well enough for so long and we never thought of him as a bad shooter. Maybe it's back. And I just want to see minutes out of him because Garland, I think, is the only... And look, Collins' assist numbers have been up, and I love that, but Collins not a great passer. He's a good passer. I think Darius is a great one. And I think Dell is the only other great passer that they could possibly have in that look, Larry makes good passes. Kevin Love makes good passes. There's times when Andre Drummond looks like you, uh, looks like a point center of the year where he's getting six, seven assists. Those days are gone, obviously, as we just talked about for 20 minutes. But Delhi's ability to pass and find the open teammate and just work hard to get good looks for the team. Plus, he's a good defender. I mean, he might get blown by a couple of times, but he's not going to give up without a fight on anything. I think that's the guy that should be teaching a coro from within, honestly. I didn't mention that earlier, but I just love everything Delhi does, honestly. Look, he's going to have bad shooting nights, fine, when he gets the opportunities to even shoot that much. 
but he's probably going to have eight or nine assists if he's getting that kind of opportunity, which you can't say about anyone else on the nightly on this team. And I just think he's been missed. Whether or not we realize it, he is a perfect example of a good bench teammate. Because, Justin, and I'll throw it to you, every game that Delhi didn't play last year, was mostly under B-line, I think he played every game under JB just because of some injuries. He was always active. He's always clapping. He's talking to guys in timeouts. And I know that Collins appreciated having him around from everything we've heard. I think they've missed his presence. I don't know if it's cost them games, but I think it's cost them effort. I think it's and uh, RIP Tommy Heinz, and I think Tommy points would always go to the guys making big defensive plays. I think we haven't seen too many of those without Larry because no one else has the, the, the desire. And I think talking to Delhi can do that. So I just think you'd run through a brick wall for a guy like that. And that might be me, the, the me that loves him more than any basketball player talking, but I also think it's true. I, I think just having another real backup, like, like you mentioned, um, you know, Darius has you know, made a considerable leap forward as a playmaker this year. But when it's not him on the floor making the plays, and, and you know, they, they do have good secondary playmakers. Uh, I think, again, Colin is taking a considerable leap forward in that way. You know, I think guys like Kevin Love and Larry Nance are, you know, really good secondary playmakers. Obviously, neither of them are playing right now. And I think I think Damian Dotson has done a very, very, very respectable job of, of that as well. But they just don't have a, a real backup point guard to go to right now. Uh, and I think that it, that's part of the reason that, you know, they're struggling to generate, you know, maybe some three-point looks. And just part of the reason that they're generating – or they're struggling to generate good offense right now in general is just because they don't really have – Outside of Darius, a primary playmaker to kind of go to and, you know, help, you know, get the offense running. So, yeah, um, I think Del, you know, and even I don't know if he would be, you know, somebody who'd be getting a ton of minutes, especially, you know, coming off of this extended layoff. But I just think, you know, the ability to move the ball and get the offense moving a little bit would be, you know, a, a much needed boost to this team right now. And I think. Yeah, just, just, you know, bringing at least, you know, competitive fire to the defensive end would be welcomed right now. And just the energy that he always plays with, you know, there's a lot of guys who, you know, might kind of be affected by this. I don't think he's one of those, you know, when I say by this, I mean, like, by this kind of, this, this rough patch that we're in right now, um, I, I don't know that that would really affect him in the same way. I think he's just a guy who always plays with that same intensity, with that same level of effort always, so... We'll have to see where when it's going to be, but I think that it's coming. I'm looking forward to having Delhi back. Before we get out of here, Zach, the Cavaliers play the Clippers tonight. By the time this goes up, this game will already be over. The Clippers are without Paul George, and they are without Kawhi Leonard. Is this the night that they finally break out of this funk? Yes, sir. And if Kawhi was playing, a fun guy would be uh, whatever his... Uh, May, I just made a great play, but I don't want to smile face is. He would be making it. But he's not playing. No fun guy means more fun for us because that means no PG, no Kawhi. One of three things can happen here, Justin. Thing number one is Lou Williams scores 40 because Lou Williams is just prone to scoring 40 when we forget how good Lou Williams is. Uh, number two could be that... Uh, Serge Ibaka and Ivica Zubats combined for 50 because somehow, as great as Jared Allen is, sometimes the Clippers centers are very good. They both had great games this year. And with Serge's ability to shoot, I wouldn't put it past him to score 30 on his own. 
Or thing number three could happen where the first two things are just completely fake, which I hope they are, and the Cavs win. This is what I think actually happens. I think the Cavs are going to beat the Clippers. I think it's going to be a tight game. I know Reggie Jackson gets a lot of slander, and he is apparently a very bad decision maker, although I never notice it when I watch. I know he's probably going to shoot the three well, as most uh, on-off, hot, cold guys do against the Cavs, unfortunately. But they're not going to have enough firepower. I think Batum, Ibaka, and Lou are their go-to guys. And then Marcus Morris. I think the Cavs actually have more weapons in this case. I could, I could see a big Colin Darius game. I don't have a score, but I think I would be comfortable not only betting the Cavs tonight for plus whatever the spread is, but also money line as well. And, you know, I'm not just trying to be the biggest Andre hater in the world. But I think that, you know, not having – he's been off to some horrible starts. I think just getting rid of that and having Allen in there from the, the get-go is going to, you know, be a, a good boost for this team as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Cavaliers taking this one. Um, maybe it's optimistic because the, <laughs> if they play the way that they've been playing, they're not going to win this game, even against, you know, a, a depleted roster like this. But you know what? We're, we're, we're going to be optimistic here. Um, Zach, anything else you need to say before we get out of here? Yeah, so I remember the very first time we recorded together, you bought an Ante Zizic jersey while we were live. Still have it. Still have it. Still have it. I didn't it. buy it while we were live. I had bought it beforehand. But we, we discussed the link. I, we, we sent The link was sent live. You you all did it for the first time while recording for the, the Hoops Head Pod Network on Cavaliers Central Podcast with Zach Weiss and Dan Jelinski. So while you did that, I'm not going to be looking at anything now, but people just know that we're serious. Uh, myself... As the proprietor of Across the Cavs, takes everything I tweet very seriously. And so, reading all the suggestions, I realized that none of what anyone said, except for the step stool guy, really got through to me. I'm going to be looking for all the household items. I am going to email Masai Ujiri. I'm going to find his email from a secret list. I'm going to say, hey, if we can't work out player salary, we'll take this much this much million in household appliances, and I think we might be able to make this work. I don't think Adam Silver is going to have a problem with this. So, everybody, at Across Cavs is where you should be tweeting all this. Send me however many of each household appliance you need. And just like Santa Claus does every December 25th, we will distribute all the household items needed to get Andre Drummond to another home where he would probably be a better fit. And so Jared Allen can become the starter. That's my final note, Justin. You can find Zach's work. You can find his written work in plenty of places. Uh, you can find Across the Cavs and Sportitude Podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Same with this one. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, listen to another. Subscribe so you can do that. Uh, rate and review. Go rate and review Zach's podcast as well. And uh, hopefully the Cavaliers can eke this one out against the Clippers. I hope so. Thanks, Justin. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started.
Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.